The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a newly identified molecule may explain why some workouts make you super hungry and others leave you without an appetite at all. Plus, a spectacular planetary conjunction is on display this weekend. How to catch sight of five planets at once. Researchers have a new theory for why all those fish fell from the sky in Texas last year. And a new J.R.R. Tolkien book is coming out in November, sort of. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. You know how sometimes after you exercise, you're absolutely ravenous, but other times you're kind of not hungry at all? Scientists may have just figured out why, and it's thanks to a newly identified molecule they're calling an anti-hunger molecule. In a study published in the journal Nature last week, scientists looked at how small molecules change in the bloodstream during exercise in mice as part of a broader investigation into the molecular changes that occur in our bodies when we work out. Quoting from the New York Times, for decades, scientists have known various substances, like the hormones leptin and ghrelin, travel to the brain and prompt us to be more or less interested in eating. And studies show exercise alters the level of these substances, but so do diet and sleeping habits. Some researchers began to wonder whether there might be some kind of exercise-specific reaction that influences appetite. End quote. So this team from Stanford, Baylor, and other institutions put some mice on a treadmill and used a mass spectrometer to look for spikes or peaks in certain molecules, quickly identifying one in particular that stood out. And to find out if this one peaking molecule only occurred in mice, they reached out to a Bay Area track and asked for samples of racehorse blood, which is actually a pretty clever collaboration since horses are often tested for enhancement drugs, so getting a blood sample was fairly seamless. And the team found the same peaking molecule in post-exercise bloodstreams of the racehorses. Next, they looked at data from an unrelated study analyzing the molecular impact of exercise on the human body and found that same mystery molecule popping up again. Only this time, the other team had already decoded the chemical formula, so now they had a bit more of an answer. The molecule was a combination of lactate and phenylalanine. They dubbed it LACFI. Quoting Stanford University School of Medicine, Lactate, the molecule that creates a burning sensation as you eke out your last rep, increases in our bodies when we exercise. That spike triggers the union of lactate and phenylalanine. 
The study showed that the union of lactate and phenylalanine is catalyzed by a protein called CNDP2, which has high levels of activity in immune and other cells, including skin cells. That means when we exercise, many different types of immune cells sense lactate, and then CNDP2 helps create LACFI, said research lead Jonathan Long, end quote. In further tests with mice, they found that giving a form of lacfee to mice made them less hungry, and then breeding mice to have very little lacfee made those mice eat more. The study on humans, from which they borrowed the data set, also showed that when eight healthy young men cycled leisurely for 90 minutes, lifted weights, and performed several 30-second sprints, their levels of lacfee were highest after the 30-second sprints, followed by weight training and then the 90 minutes of leisurely cycling. So it seems that the more intense the exercise, the more lacfee is produced. And in mice, at least, that means the smaller the appetite is afterwards. So if you want to avoid gaining back all the calories you just lost or accidentally consuming even more because your workout made your appetite so big, consider cranking up the intensity of your workout. Now, while this is all very interesting and will lead to further insights about metabolism and exercise in humans in general, Tracy Ann Duncan at Mike pointed out, quote, It feels important to note here that while I am excited by this research, I also fear it will contribute negatively to our diet-obsessed culture. Already, some claim that there will soon be drugs that replace exercise, as though weight loss should be our only reason for exercising. It's definitely not. End quote. And yeah, exercise is good for mental and cognitive health, for heart health, for maintaining good posture and balance and strong bones, all extra important as we age. It is definitely not just about losing weight. And this study is not saying that less intense workouts are less productive or less healthy. There are tons of reasons for doing a less intense workout and tons of reasons to be consuming all or more of the calories you just lost. Weight loss is not the right goal for everyone or the be-all, end-all. And exercising as a specific and additional thing that we do in our lives is still a relatively new phenomenon in the history of Homo sapiens. Long pointed out that the whole connection between more intense workouts decreasing our appetites makes evolutionary sense. He told the Times, quote, If you're sprinting from a rhino or some other threat, the autonomic nervous system yells at the brain to shut down digestion and any other unneeded processes. End quote. Or, as Duncan put it, quote, "...the production of LACFI is likely part of our fight-flight response and is not meant to become an oppressive tool of diet culture." End quote. This month, for the first time since 2004, and the last time until 2040, five other planets are lined up and visible to the naked eye. The planetary conjunction of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn has been ongoing throughout the month, but tomorrow, Friday the 24th, is likely to be the best opportunity to spot all five without a telescope. On that night, the moon will even happen to be positioned right between Venus and Mars acting as a kind of proxy for Earth. As the Society for Popular Astronomy's chief stargazer Lucy Green put it to the BBC, the planets will look like, quote, a string of pearls spread out from close to the horizon, end quote. The whole conjunction should be visible until Monday from most parts of the world, although Mercury might fade from our sights after that. 
Conjunctions of a few planets happen every couple of years, but getting five planets is pretty rare, about every two decades. Like I said, this won't happen again until 2040. And planets don't always appear in the order that they are from the sun. This is a special case. And Space.com notes that especially with the moon positioning itself as well as all the planets in order, this hasn't happened since 1864. But according to the Washington Post, we will never see all eight planets perfectly aligned, due to the different orbits and tilts of each planet, which really does get pretty complicated and makes it all the more amazing that we even ever see this many at once. Now, because planets are so much brighter than stars, even city dwellers should be able to see them unaided given the sky is clear and dark enough this weekend. It also helps to be up on a roof or otherwise away from buildings and trees that could obscure your view of the planets, especially Mercury and Venus that will be closer to the horizon. And the post suggests going out about a half hour before sunrise if you're in the northern hemisphere. Southern hemisphere planet gazers should look up around the same time, but they their view will likely be better due to the planets rising higher in the pre-dawn sky, according to the BBC. The Post notes that Mercury will be the toughest to spot, quote, The small, dim planet is usually lost in the glare of the sunrise or sunset, but the planet will travel progressively farther from the sun as the month goes on. On June 24th, Mercury should be much easier to spot and will be up an hour before the sun rises, end quote. So again, this is an early morning activity, not a nighttime one. Only Saturn will really be visible overnight. But with this not happening again for a couple of decades, it could be worth waking up for. You may remember at the start of the year when I mentioned fish raining from the sky in Texas. It wasn't a hoax. Fish really did fall out of the sky in Texarkana in December of 2021, and it's a known phenomenon called animal rain. Though animal rain, that is, animals like fish, bats, frogs, snakes, and more falling from the sky, is a documented occurrence going back centuries, there's never been one clear explanation for it. A lot of people blame water spouts, but quoting National Geographic, many meteorologists are skeptical that water spouts can actually cause animal rain. Water spouts form as violent storm clouds swirl above a large body of water. These clouds form a tornado-like whirlwind called a vortex that dips into the ocean, lake, or pond. Water spouts can spin up to 160 kilometers per hour, or 100 miles per hour, and may pull up small objects in their funnel, water, pebbles, and small aquatic animals. As water spouts and updrafts move over land, they lose their swirling energy. The storm clouds that formed the water spouts are forced to dump their heavy loads. The heaviest objects are dumped first, and the lightest objects, usually simple raindrops, are dumped last. This explains why reports of animal rain usually describe only one type of animal raining down. A cloud will dump all objects of a similar weight at the same time. Fish, heavy, followed by insects, lighter, followed by rain, lightest, for example, end quote. And a water spout is exactly what the initial explanation was for the raining fish in Texarkana last year, despite meteorologists saying there was no such weather event there at the time. But two independent researchers now say they've uncovered a different explanation, bird regurgitation. 
The researchers, Sharon Hill and Paul Cropper, honed in on the situation in Texarkana because it represented one of the better case studies of animal rain, in part because the fish fell over such a wide area, and because there was at least one instance of security camera footage seeming to show fish actually falling from the sky. In a lot of reported cases of animal rain, people don't notice the small animals until they're already on the ground, so there's sometimes skepticism that they fell from the sky at all and weren't simply washed up by floods or pushed down to their habitats by the storm. And that is exactly the first thing Hill and Cropper set out to verify. But evidence of fish having been found on rooftops and in truck beds ruled out that hypothesis. Another theory they threw out there was that the fish could have fallen from a plane flying overhead, one that was heading to a lake to restock it. But their strongest evidence came from the birds, specifically cormorants. Cormorants are common near the Texarkana Regional Airport, and residents reported seeing them around the same time the fish appeared. Executive Director of the airport, Paul Merlick, told the researchers that the birds usually fly down in the morning, go between two different lakes in the area, and then you can see hundreds of them flying overhead at once. Quoting the Dallas Morning News, the storm on December 29th moved through the area around the time that Merlick and other staff regularly see cormorants flying over the airport, he said. That same day, Merlick said staff found fish all over the airport runway. Crews shoveled up about 10 pounds of fish and caused a delay for one of the planes at the airport. The next morning, we had all these birds flying over us again, and we were like, oh my gosh, it was around the same time the birds were flying back, he said, and the fish were kind of chewed up, end quote. Hill and Cropper say the fish were regurgitated by those birds, or dropped from their beaks and talons, as they flew east over the airport and the rest of town. Now, why it happened in such great numbers that particular day, and not on other days when the birds are apparently regular staples in the area, I don't know, but I suppose this explanation is as good as any for fish falling from the sky. HarperCollins has just announced a new Tolkien book hitting bookshelves this November called The Fall of Numenor. Edited by established Tolkien expert Brian Sibley, the book will collect all of J.R.R. Tolkien's writings about the Second Age. According to the Tolkien Society, it will, quote, tell the story from the foundations of Numenor, the forging of the rings, and the last alliance against Sauron that ended the Second Age. End quote. Slash Film points out that this is particularly well-timed as the Amazon Prime series The Rings of Power, which is set in the Second Age, will be premiering in September. And while previous Lord of the Rings film adaptations were based on the original novels, this new series isn't actually based on a book, just the appendices of Tolkien's The Return of the King. But this new single-volume collection will serve as a great resource to fill in the gaps for fans. Quoting Slash Film, where The Lord of the Rings focused on the villain Sauron's re-emergence as an existential threat to Middle-earth, The Lord of the Rings' The Rings of Power will largely concern itself with the very beginnings of the Dark Lord's rise. That entails the forging of his many rings, his deception of humanity, and the subsequent fall of the most powerful kingdom in the world, Numenor, the island nation that the ancestors of Aragorn once called home. End quote. The new book, The Fall of Numenor, will also feature color images and pencil sketches by renowned Tolkien artist Alan Lee. And with new editions of other existing works also hitting shelves when the new Prime series debuts, this fall is set to provide an embarrassment of riches for Tolkien fans.
Well, in one of the most anticlimactic press releases of all time, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese has announced that after 85 years, they are changing their name to Kraft Mac and Cheese. Yes, from Kraft Macaroni and Cheese to Kraft Mac and Cheese. It'll cause shockwaves around the world. They say the new name, part of an overall visual brand refresh, is meant to, quote, reflect the way fans organically talk about the brand, end quote. Which is true. I mean, if I had to place a bet on it, I might not have been able to say whether the official name was Macaroni and Cheese or Mac and Cheese, so it makes sense, but it's also just the absolute best no substance clickbait I've seen in a while. And that is going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.